Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Reasonable Men Agree, the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast is a podcast. A podcast that wishes it had a twin podcast to play with. He once frightened a slinky into going back upstairs. It's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is your Medicare expert, Doug Jones. You may have just heard my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, uh, advise you of that fact. And if you didn't, then uh, be aware that I am, in fact, your Medicare expert. I'm all yours. Um, You don't have to share me with anyone else. And I am so happy that you joined us today. We're going to talk a lot about a wide variety of subjects because I'm still working on this pile of articles that I've been saving since uh, I was forced to leave town for Thanksgiving last week. And Randy is going to be able to just sit back and maybe uh, catch a little nap while I shuffle through my paper. But first, I want to tell you about the book I wrote. If you're looking for good, solid Medicare information that isn't going to uh, overwhelm you with facts, statistics, and and uh, bad advice, then I would suggest taking a look at my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, Simplest and Easiest Guide Ever. The 2022 version is on sale at Amazon.com. And if you go there, you will be able to get a hardcover book for, I think, $17.00. You'll be able to get a paperback book, which seems to be the most popular choice. That's about $8. If you uh, want to, you may, if you really want to cheap out, or if you have a Kindle reader or an ebook reader, then you can buy the ebook version of Medicare for the Lazy Man for about $3.80. And if you like to listen to your knowledge being read to you, then buy the Audible book. And that's somewhere in the neighborhood of five or six bucks. I forget exactly what they charge for. Some of these things, they don't allow me to have any input into the price. And so uh, it's uh, not up to me as to how much you have to pay for it. But people seem to like whichever edition they get. So anyway, uh, please read the book and then you will know exactly what my recommendations are. And you will also know that I want to be your insurance agent as you approach Medicare. It's advisable to buy additional insurance to cover the gaps and the flaws and the uh, cost sharing that Medicare forces people to participate in. If you buy reasonably priced insurance to cover yourself in the event of a need for big time medical expenses, then I am uh, able and legally uh, will be able to provide that insurance for you no matter where you are in the United States. So I'm hoping that we can form a partnership that will will, uh, last forever. 
at least uh, as long as I last. You know, after that, you're kind of on your own. But if you make the right choices, nobody can ever take that uh, that product away from you. It will be yours forever and ever. So at this time in the podcast, I often like to introduce Randy Carson, whether he likes it or not. So, Randy, <laughs> consider yourself introduced. Oh, thank you, Mr. Jones. I certainly appreciate it. How are you doing this morning? This is a really great day. I looked out the window, and boy, have we got one going today. We do. Uh, not going to be real warm, I don't think, but it's certainly uh, pleasantly sunny. Well, let's see. What is 62? Yeah, that, you know, just for the podcast audience, I consider that to be Arizona freezing. It really is. It's uh, <laughs> We're both wearing heavy sweatshirts right now. They match in color, too, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, we've um, got a, it's, it's a team jersey. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I want to say that, uh, remember our recent guest, Roy Brotherhood, who was in here? Yes, I do. He gave us a lot of detail about shoulder surgery. No book, though. We we had a lot of learning, book learning, about uh, knee surgery, knee replacement surgery. And then um, Roy came in. He has the same surgeon that Mary had for both of her knees, and he's having shoulder replacement surgery, and there is no book. So we only uh, spent part of an episode discussing that. But I will tell you, I heard right before we uh, came on this morning that um, his surgery has finished. Apparently, it went very well, and he is in the recovery mode right now, and I think he's going to be going home later today. Well, that is great news. Roy, I wish you fast healing. Yeah, I think that he prepared us for the fact that it might take a few months before he really feels good again, but uh, the uh, operation is less intensive than a rotator cuff surgery, and so I'm expecting him to bounce back fairly quickly. I'm hoping that he does anyway. And then I wanted to share another little thing that we enjoyed in California. I recently spent the Thanksgiving week at my daughter's house with her family, uh, and I think I've mentioned many times that her husband was Mr. Cocktails. And so his job was to keep everybody right on the edge of, of uh, uncivilized behavior, uh, which he did quite well. He makes a lot of tasty concoctions. But uh, Drew McMillan collected information from people ahead of time. And we didn't really know what was up. And we, I wish I had participated more in this because on one of the days, I think it was the day before Thanksgiving, we all sat down at those two elongated tables that I told you we ate Thanksgiving dinner on, and we played on the television screen a game called Kahoot with an exclamation point, K-A-H-O-O-T. And what this was was a multiple-choice game. Drew made up most of the questions and answers, and we could have participated by providing him with other questions and stuff but this was about past jones holidays and i hadn't realized how hilarious we are as a group but uh i recommend this game to everyone i don't know that it was just drew's um uh cleverness that made it a really fun probably half hour 45 minutes but it was also the fact that it dredged up a lot of fun memories from prior family reunions or family uh, gatherings uh but it was all Silly things like um, he said uh, at our former address, the house that we sold a year ago, what uh, was the most popular party room in that house? Well, there were some people who wouldn't remember this, but we had a massive New Year's Eve party in the master bathroom. 
Uh, the master bathroom in our house in St. Charles was huge. Randy looks very confused. Why would somebody have a New Year's Eve party in the master bathroom? Um, now, this included about eight or ten people that actually uh, spent their time in the master bathroom in the bathtub, which was fairly large. The shower stall, also a big feature. Uh, this was just a massive master bathroom uh, that accommodated everybody that was in the house. Uh, we all had our hats on, our noisemakers, our uh, you know, uh, various accoutrements uh, for uh, New Year's Eve. So that was an answer to one of the multiple choice questions. And Drew's cleverness was also making up the other answers, you know, the uh, answers that were not the correct choice. So each question had four possible responses. And um, it was just a really fun, entertaining game. And I wish I had a list of all of the questions and answers that uh, Drew put together for this thing. But he was the MC, of course, and uh, he did a great job as usual. So I recommend that game. If you're going to have a family gathering, Kahoot, K-A-H-O-O-T, exclamation point, I believe is how it's spelled. So mm, taking a sip of hot tea here. Before we begin our Medicare subject matter for today. And once again, I'm just plowing through this giant pile of uh, articles and stuff that I have been saving just for this reason. And lately, it's been kind of a, a wealth of uh, correspondence with our some of our uh, clients. Like I remember somebody, and it might have been Steve, it might have been somebody else. I'm going to have to find it in the pile. And I may not find it today. And I may not find it tomorrow. But somebody asked uh, specifically uh, for Mr. Carson, uh, and he and I were talking about uh, Guinness today. So there, I have some correspondence that specifically asks if Randy would uh, have any, would enjoy any other beer besides Guinness, because he talks about Guinness all the time. And today he answered that question for me. Randy, tell me what your other choice is. The other beer that if uh, Guinness is not available, you know, we're in a dry Guinness area. <laughs> oh boy, ouch. Which is, which is terrible. But the other beer that I enjoy that's a, that I think I, it's a great beer. And the reason I'm going to mention it today is because it's a pretty good facsimile for Guinness. And that is left hand milk stout. Mm, mm, boy. Well, uh, Randy has threatened to put me through a blind taste test. I hope he doesn't actually blind me, but uh, this is something I'm going to be able to uh, report back uh, in a future episode. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the name of that reminds me of Kilt Lifter, which uh, gets into my recollection one time uh, with a friend of mine also named Randy, having lunch and a couple of afternoon brewskis at a place called the Tilted Kilt. Is that the name of the? And, that is uh, that. That is the name of the uh, establishment, Tilted Kilt. And boy, Kilt, Kilt Lifter is uh, one of the brews available at that fine establishment. So there is a connection there. Well, yeah. I was, I was during my uh, several hours there with uh, my other friend Randy. I was blinded by the feminine pulchritude, including the calendar of their waitresses. Uh, very. Very nice, very comely lasses serving the uh, the brews that they had. And then a different time, uh, maybe a year after that, we went to the one in Mesa or, you know, not far from Mesa. And it was a totally different experience, not nearly as enjoyable. So I don't know. I think they, the Scottsdale location uh, had the higher class uh, babes. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I'm not I, obviously I've I've made quite a tour of uh, you know the tilted kilt, uh-huh. uh huh, and I'm not sure that they use the same exact concept for every location. Well, um, that could be it. As I remember, there's there's a bit. I mean, the concept is the same, but there's a bit of difference between the physical location. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised by what the ambiance is. Is it, it it shifts from location to location, no doubt. But the staff, awesome. Beer, uh-huh. awesome. The things that I typically look for, all there, ready to be enjoyed. You know, it might have been uh, the negative effect of one of the patrons who uh, tried to be Mr. Friendly. We got into a discussion of where exactly uh, the um, Phoenician is located. And I told him that it was, uh, you know, because I used to hang out on that location when I was a kid at a dude ranch that was later torn down. The Joe Cocky Inn was torn down and the Phoenician was built there probably, what, in the 1990s, maybe? Charles yeah. Keating was responsible for that. And so mm-hmm. this guy could, this guy swore that the Phoenician was located on the north side of Camelback Mountain. And I said, no, it's not. It's on the south side of Camelback, uh, right on Camelback Road. Uh, this guy really wanted to argue about that. And so unlike the little old ladies that I uh, bonded with in California, <laughs> it was uh, it was a distasteful discussion. And I tried to get that guy to go away. And it was uh, so that might have contributed to my not liking the, the tilted kilt in Mesa as well as the one in Scottsdale. Anyway, I digress. You people get me digressing all the time um, in this pile of stuff. Here's an announcement from one of the insurance companies that basically I use them for their, uh, their part D prescription drug plan, because they are often a contender for the best cost free or lowest cost prescription drug plans that I recommend to people, but they also have a wide range of products in the Medicare, um, uh, Medicare MA, the Medicare, uh, what the hell is that word, Randy? Why am I having trouble coming up? Medicare, um, advancement? No, Medicare Advantage. There you go. Uh, that category is something that, that word, I don't. That word doesn't doesn't compute. Uh, Medicare my, Advantage. My brain did not want to have to say it. <laughs> those two things in the same sentence. And the Medicare Advantage arena is one that I avoid people. I try to help people avoid it because it could lead to trouble, could lead to severe unhappiness. And it will, if you're on it long enough, it'll preclude your ability to get the far superior Medicare supplement coverage. Once you're gone from the Medicare supplement arena, you most likely will have to show evidence of good health in order to get a Medicare supplement again, once you've decided that Medicare Advantage is not for you. However, Medicare Advantage plans, one of the things they do is they siphon money from the federal government by using subterfuge. And the way they use subterfuge is that they try to convince the government that their people, their insured members, are sicker than average. And so they tell the agent, go out and get a health assessment form completed by each of our new members so we can find out what's wrong with them. And then if any of them have uh, some severe conditions like diabetes or whatever, then uh, we will um, go back to the federal government and extort more taxpayer money. And these companies have been 
caught with their hands in the till to the tune of billions of dollars, if you believe the New York Times. So I just highlighted this little announcement from this uh, insurance company. We hope you're having a very successful AEP so far, and that's annual election period, which runs from October 15th to December 7th. Your New York sales team wanted to remind you of an increase in the payment amounts for our health risk assessment forms and to inform you of two important uh, network additions. So um, the assessment uh, payments are for agents to thank them, to reward them, or to encourage them to complete the risk assessment so that this company can go to the federal government and extort more money. And uh, what they're doing now is uh, from now on in New York, they're paying $225 for one category of enrollments. And that would be for people who are on welfare as well as uh, Medicare Advantage. And they're paying for $225 for each enrollment form that an agent coughs up on a new uh, newly enrolled member. And then they're paying that agent $75 for the people who are not eligible for welfare, the regular Medicare Advantage or Medicare Advantage prescription drug members. So they are really doing their best to get the agents motivated to go out and have their their clients fill out these risk health risk assessment forms, which they will use then to squeeze the federal government for more of your precious tax dollars. Um, the other thing I saw in this list of uh, interesting items is half of all dentists in a survey. The American Dental Association, Association surveyed 557 dentists. 52% of them said that they have been had patients show up at their office who were under the influence of marijuana or other drugs. So the headline was what caught my attention. Half of dentists in survey say their, their patients have arrived for procedures high. <laughs> and frankly, you know, going to the dentist is kind of stressful, so maybe that's self-medication. A new patient code of conduct at Mass General Brigham in, uh, I guess, Boston, in response to hostile patient behavior is among other health personnel news. Now, if you go to the dentist and you have um, gotten high before you go there, it seems like it's counterproductive to give the dentist a lot of trouble. Hostile patient behavior doesn't seem like it would be uh, working to the advantage of the patient. I would say if you're going to go to the dentist and you trust the guy, just let him get his work done. Don't be hostile about it. Let's see. Uh, half of, yeah, this. several other articles make reference to the same survey that apparently a lot of dentists have patients out there that are showing up high. And uh, that's just, <laughs> I didn't realize that was happening. I've been in my dentist office a whole lot because I've had a lot of dental work done. And I have not noticed that about the other patients. Okay, here's one headline. Social media users dunk on failed COVID-19 policies. Many Americans can remember heavy-handed COVID-19 policies that were put into place under the guise of defeating the virus. Shelter-in-place orders, mask mandates, social distancing, and vaccine mandates are just a few examples. As it turns out, these measures did not end COVID-19. 
Even after multiple vaccines and booster shots, there are still people to this day getting sick from the virus and experiencing symptoms. COVID-19 policies did not meet the expectations that health officials said they would. However, they certainly had negative impacts on society and mental health across the nation. Now, Americans are weighing in on some of the standouts. Dunking on pandemic policies. On Twitter, musician Zuby. I don't know who Zuby is, but he's a musician, apparently. And he started a thread asking people to weigh in on some of the most ridiculous COVID-19 policies that they were forced to put up with. The responses are sobering, yet very telling. And this is what attracted my attention. We're all about ridiculous here at uh, Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. Some people shared reports of individuals being arrested for paddleboarding or otherwise engaging in outdoor activities by themselves. <laughs> uh, and I've heard about this on podcasts that originate in California, how they closed the beaches and chased people up and down the beach to arrest them for being on the beach by themselves or with like one other person. Now, other people reacted to Zuby's thread by mentioning how children's development was hurt by social distancing and having to see people with masks on. The thread likewise featured the dangerous consequences of pandemic policies being called out. To this day, many kids who fell behind in education and psychological development are not yet caught up. Some business owners some business owners also completely lost their livelihoods due to lockdowns. Responders to Zuby's thread brought awareness to cases like this, along with the aftermath of folks trying to rebuild their lives. Holding the experts accountable is the next headline. As Twitter users responded to Zuby's thread, he added another tweet that called out the experts, and that's in quotes, for getting things wrong on COVID-19. While some experts have now tried to walk back parts of their previous recommendations, the damage has already been done. This led to another theme that Twitter users brought up when responding to Zuby. In 2020 and 2021, both the experts and political leaders who backed them were caught breaking their own recommendations on numerous occasions. And uh, the restaurant, the French Laundry, comes to mind here. Anyway, rules for the but not for me attitude of officials breaking their own guidelines has not gone over well with the public. Though with Republicans taking back control of the House, Americans can expect more in-depth investigation of how COVID-19 was handled. So anyway, Zuby has this thread of the silliest, least scientific pandemic policies, and it's described as being hilariously infuriating. And here are a couple of examples. During the government lockdowns, a.k.a. the pan panic, I call it the panic. Some people, my daughter calls it the plandemic. There were so many ridiculous policies and mandated uh, and mandates put in place by power hungry Democrat a-holes who saw an opportunity to enforce their authoritarian dreams of controlling the masses that we lost track. Luckily, Zuby was good enough to ask Twitter to list some of the silliest and least scientific pan panic. I can't even say pandemic policies while trying uh, while this threat is pretty damn hilarious. It's also infuriating. Take a gander. Uh, so what was the least, what was the silliest, least scientific pandemic policy? Pandemic schmandemic, somebody said. I was told by a racetrack security 
by racetrack security to put on a mask whilst alone on a racehorse after having part of a lung removed. Both the surgeon and my oncologist wrote letters questioning the sanity of being cited for being without a mask. Uh, In Ohio, for sports, you could still wrestle each other, but then you couldn't shake hands afterwards. Uh, Another one says, you can't work in New York City indoors, unvaxxed, for more than a certain number of minutes. And then uh, plexig- somebody else called out plexiglass replacement with holes and ga- uh, gaps in, uh, yes, the powerful plexiglass. The best was when both people were leaning faces into the hole, shouting at each other so they could hear each other through the masks. Uh, skateboarders, removed, they removed sand from iconic Venice Beach skate park despite stay-at-home orders. How about when they pulled their masks down because they couldn't understand or hear one another? So if you like Twitter and you like Zuby, let's see, arresting paddleboard guy who is paddling all by himself. Kids eating outside in the cold on the ground, sitting distanced from their friends, schooled for talking or playing in the winter while policymakers are, are lunching with their peers inside warm uh, warmth and they're talking and socializing. Some of these Twitter people are not as, as, um, uh, conversing with the uh, writing, the written word as I would like. It has to be the six foot rule since they basically just took a wild guest, modified it based on politics, and then rolled it out to the public. Right. If you had only five feet, 11 inches between you and somebody else, that was dangerous. Two weeks to flatten the curve. I remember that early in uh, 2020. Yeah, just follow our rules for two weeks, and then the curve will be flattened, and we can go back to normal. Oh, that was a load of crap. Wearing a mask while standing in a restaurant, but taking it off while sitting. That's ridiculous. Randy gives a thumbs up to that one. Apparently, COVID is more dangerous the taller you are. Hockey players wearing full equipment including those thick-ass gloves, but they couldn't bump gloves in the traditional post-game lineup. They had to stick salute from behind the blue lines. I haven't watched hockey games, but I bet my Canadian relatives would be able to vouch for that. They made me watch a soccer game one day. I think it was Friday, uh, some kind of international soccer game that I'm, you know, football. And uh, the Canadians were all yelling and screaming. Uh, The Americans were standing around, you know, occasionally glancing at the screen. But I was waiting for one of these guys to fling himself on the ground and start writhing in pain without even being touched. And I, that didn't happen. So I think that's a thing in soccer. But this game must have been handled a little more professionally. So here's another COVID stupidity. If you spread COVID, oh, uh, the, the risk was you'll spread COVID if your mask falls under your nose. And, uh, yeah, I was yelled at by somebody in a hospital. I walked into a hospital. Put your mask on. Okay. Cover your nose. I said, that's not going to happen. The guy finally decided to stop yelling at me. Uh, Shutting down schools. We knew early on that children were almost at no risk from COVID. And um, who knew that COVID would would not infect people who were rioting over George Floyd? COVID apparently did not infect any of those people. So um, that was, uh, you know, something uh, Fauci told us about. Oh, no, you can go ahead and riot, but just don't don't go to church. That was a biggie. Um, one-way aisles in stores. Now, I don't go shopping much, but uh, apparently some stores had one-way aisles so that people would not breathe on each other going opposite directions on the same aisle. Uh, 
arresting and fining hikers and people camping in solitude, police beating people for having coffee on the beach. Two cloth masks are even better than one. And then uh, finally, this guy says, ha, 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 okay, if we don't laugh, we'll never stop throwing up. So that's uh, what Zuby collected, some of what Zuby collected. I imagine if you look for that on Twitter, you'll find even more entertainment for the uh, silliness that was COVID. And I see by the big old clock on the wall that uh, I have just about burned up all of our time for today. So, Randy, we, why, don't you, why don't you send us need- home? We need to land the plane, but let me share one personal experience with you before I share, uh, you know, what we need to do to close out the episode. I won't name the restaurant, but there was a local restaurant that uh, Margaret and I were going to go eat dinner at Uh during the you have to wear a mask or you are not getting in. Okay. Okay. So we, we walk up to the front door. And I'm a pretty, I'm not, you know, an, uh, you know, an epic spitter, but I could have spit and from the door to the table that we wanted to sit at. And uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. So he said, nope, got to have a mask. Yep. So I slowly, and that we didn't have any. So he said, I got masks. So he, he went back in the back room and brought out some masks and we put the masks on. And just as I got it hooked around my ears, I got to the table, sat down, and took it off. Yeah, well, God, you know, God bless you. At least you saved some lives on the way to the table, Randy. And I, I think I, uh, I could. I mean, there was like there was like several people that I could have killed off on the way to the table, but I didn't. Well, you're an American hero, and I think we all thank you uh, silently, and you know, as our as our uh, eyeballs roll back in our heads. Yeah, um, yep. We had the same thing early on. Uh, Mary and I decided to go to the Texas Roadhouse in Sycamore, Illinois. We love Texas Roadhouse when we're traveling, and so um, we went out there, and it was the most depressing experience. I'm a Texas Roadhouse stockholder, and this Roadhouse was all uh, it was all uh, pandemiced up. They had uh, plastic hanging everywhere. The tables were completely clear. You had to ask for salt and pepper. Uh, You couldn't get a menu. They had the QR codes and all that stuff. And I finally said, bring a menu. And they brought this dog-eared paper menu. The the blinds were all, oh, the, the interior lights were turned down low, so you couldn't read the menu. And I had to ask them to turn the light up. And I finally got my phone out and illuminated the, the dog-eared paper menu they gave us. But the the thing is, they wouldn't let us in the door without putting masks on. I could see the table just like yours. You could spit at yours. Mine was a little farther away. I said, it's right there. There's nobody in the way. They had every table, every other table was blocked off. And there was nobody between us and the place they were going to put us, a booth, really. And yet, uh, you know, here, this was early uh, in all this panic. And so when we finished eating, I said to Mary, don't even think about putting that mask on. We're going to do what we should have done when we came in, which is go from the table to the door without a mask. And let's see if we endanger anybody. And then nobody said a word. You know, it was like just fine. So completely stupid and ridiculous. But I'm glad this Zuby guy, whoever he is, managed to uh, elicit some entertainment for us today. Oh, exactly. I love it. I love this kind of stuff. Stupidity. I don't deal. I don't do well with stupidity in person. But when I get to read about it, it it does it does put a smile on my face that humans could be so, so out of touch with reality that, you know, back in the day, you know, when we were fighting the revolution. 
Yes. You know, I, I'm thinking that they weren't worried about somebody breathing on you, but I, I that's just a guess on my part. Well, <laughs> let's let's assume that the uh, good guys won and they will win again. I'm hoping yes, anyway. Absolutely. Well, we need to close up shop here. We have overstayed our welcome just a little bit. I don't want I don't want a penalty charge at no. all from from the podcast police because we'll get one. I know it. Oh, I know yeah. it. we're targets. I we're absolute targets. So we are going to go ahead and close it up for today. Thank you all for joining us. We do so appreciate it because it means a lot to us. Doug works very hard on this podcast every day, every day, and every day. He is one of the better, more stable podcasters in the world of Medicare. So, you know, give him the credit where credit is due. But send him a letter. He loves letters. DBJ at MLMMailbag.com. Let him know how much you appreciate the podcast because we are getting a lot of lot of you know we got counts coming up our coming out of our ears now with people with podcasts in terms of who's listening. Right. Take a look. Take a look at the website MedicareForTheLazyMan.com. Buy a paperback. Buy an audio. Buy a Kindle. Coming up into the holidays, but as important, no less important, is find some place to give us a rating of five stars because it helps us in the podcast. Rule of chance. <laughs> so so we are we are gonna sign it off for today. You have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma originally. No more. He's living in Cave Creek up in the high mountains behind the city in his custom-made fortress of solitude and definitely up above ten thousand feet today. Bye bye, everyone.